The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Why is this so important? Why did you pick this story? Why does this matter? This This is the news. And why, 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 and why it matters. Hi, I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Glenn, what was the top story for you? Eric Bowling being here. Yes, oh, Eric yes, Bowling. Yes, 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 yes. That's yeah. all. That's all what we need. What a great experience it's been. Yeah. Eric it Bowling. just started. Can you, <laughs> you, you show me around? Oh yeah, it's okay, first right. time here. It's, it's just off the charts. And you have a show on CRTV. CRTV show called America because you can't spell America without Eric. Eric. Thank you. I love Eric. That. I'm, I'm on his show. Today you're on the show today. And, uh, it's uh, it, it's it, it could, I'm I'm anxious to hear the audience feedback. We got real in depth in some of the uh, yeah. you know the behind the scenes stuff, the ideology behind what's going on, yeah. post modernism. Donald Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Lots of Trump. Lots of Trump. For good so reason, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else? Okay, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> not that we don't no, appreciate being no, no, here. Right. We're very glad Today, you're here. I think it's worth just taking a step back and talking about 9-11 and, and how it has impacted us. Okay. And look at one of the big things that's changed since 9-11. All right, Pat. Yeah, and some of the things that haven't changed since 9-11. Okay. So mysterious. Yeah. Is that how we do it? Yeah, that's how we do it. Shrouded Shroud in mystery. Trying to get creative I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about the New York Times anonymous op-ed author and how it's affecting the uh, the nation and the presidency. Wow. Okay. okay good. Awesome. All right. So 9/11. 17 years. I actually want to hear his now. I feel, um, actually, you know what? Before we get into that, I want to uh, make sure to thank our TV and podcast sponsor, wow. Minnesota. All right. Who I just heard. So first, they've got the wild rice. I know we talk about them all the time. I just got some uh, choked cherry syrup from them that I am dying to try. It looks delicious, and I'm sure my son will love it because you know what? It's syrup. So yeah. what's not to love? Yeah. So you can put the syrup on. It says syrup is good. You can put the syrup on the wild rice waffles. Uh, they've got the wild rice flour that you can use to um, make so many different things. I saw a recipe for banana bread that I'm going to try mm. with the wild rice flour. Uh, they've got the jams and jellies. The beer jelly yeah, is a big favorite. Really here. interesting, but why isn't it here? Like, why are you talking about I had, it? And why I had on the, the spicy. Table? I feel like that's a sexist today. comment. I don't even. <laughs> well, kind of. I don't even know what it was, but I had the spicy on my my lunch today. They they made something with the spicy jelly, and it was really good. Was it? Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what it was, but it was really. It must good. have been one of the pepper jellies. It was. Okay, I, yeah. I have to try that. That's the one yeah, that I really, really want to try. It's in the kitchen. <clears throat> but um, so they are actually donating ten percent of the proceeds. Uh, that they receive to Mercury One and the Nazarene Fund. So wow. you do not, yeah, you do not want to miss this deal. You get good food, and you also get to donate to a good cause. Uh, you can use the promo code HELP10 at blazewildrice.com. We really need your support on the Nazarene Fund, too. We're going to move another, our goal is another 16,000 Christians out of the Middle East by Christmas. Wow. Wow. So we need your help. Okay, well, that's a good way to do it. Yep. So back to 9-11. So, um, uh, it's interesting to me that the people who were born around 9-11 are going to go vote for the very first time. They've, they've never known an America that wasn't at war. They've never known an America that really hasn't been at it, each other's throats. Um, they, you know, they don't, this, this, happened, this happened four years before the world's largest social uh, uh, media site which at the time, four years later, was MySpace. Uh, that's how long ago this thing was. It's starting to feel like an old-time movie. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like when we were growing up, what, you know, 
Korea or, or you know, the Second World War was like. And everything has changed. We are unfortunately also changing history. Um, kids are not, teachers are not allowed to really teach very much of it because it's still so controversial. We haven't changed anything with the way we talk about Islam. In fact, it's gotten worse. How we are expected to win this, this battle is beyond me. And if it's not America, it won't be fought. I mean, right now the Pentagon is in Yemen. We're using drones, and we're just... We're being very effective in Yemen, okay? Well, that's not part of the war. That's not something that's been declared. That's not something we're even talking about. Why? Because we can't talk about Muslim extremists. All of this will be for naught if we don't wake up on that one point soon. Yeah. A lot of that's changed, though. I think, you know, that's one thing I could definitely give Trump credit for. I mean, he has taken it seriously. He has put people like Mattis in, 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 in charge. He has been very open to say those things. And he's seen great uh, advances with, uh, you know, ISIS, obviously. And, and, and you know, no one wants to be at war all the time. But this is a problem that is serious enough that we have to be aggressive with it. We won't be at war all the time. If, and, and you saw with ISIS. You're not at war all the time. If you have a president with a little bit of a shaky eye or, or twitchy eye that's like, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about getting my gun. <laughs> um, if, if we were hit again, there is no doubt in my mind that Donald Trump would be hands off and he would tell the Pentagon, get him. And we would. And it would be over quickly. You say that, um, you know, these people who are about to be old enough to vote don't know a time where we were at each other's, where we weren't at each other's throats. Um, but I, I recall before 9-11 happened, there was still, I mean, we were still, we weren't obviously as polarized as we are now. We but there, we were still polarized. Yeah. But directly afterwards was what they don't, they have no sense of, was directly no, after 9-11. Yeah, we were so unified. I've never felt anything like it. It's why the pendulum is so dangerous. We should have seen it at the time. It swung so far this way that it had to swing back. And unfortunately, it swung, I, I think it's, it swung farther the other direction. I mean, and it, it hasn't really come back down for the whole nation again. Yeah. It's just swung into, into crazy America is a horrible place zone. That's the thing that's, that amazes me every anniversary, though, because I remember back to that feeling that we had on 9-12 and that we were together and that America had changed forever. It really, I really thought we were a changed country, that we were headed the same direction, and there were just different viewpoints on how to get to that same place. Um, and that lasted for about a month. I, mean, I think yeah. three months. It's, I mean, in its totality, in about three months, yeah. about a month was rock solid. It was solid. a short time, whatever the time period was, and we were right back to bickering at each other's throats. Well, I, would, I vi- visually watched the second plane fly in into the World Trade Center, and I'll never forget that moment when the, when the plume of smoke came out and then the fire came out, and then you're right. We did unify. We finally had a target. We had an enemy. Mm-hmm. We put a face to the enemy. Mm-hmm. It was al-Qaeda. It was it, Taliban. It was, it was terrorism. And we did unite. But I'll never forget. I won't even go a month. I'll say a couple of weeks later, and this really? was lower Manhattan. I'm at a restaurant in Midtown, and it was like nothing ever happened. 
And I was so deeply affected by it because I saw so much even of it. Even in Manhattan. Even in Manhattan, who, who wow. you know, there's a good portion of the population was exposed to it. Yeah. Well, within weeks, it was like enjoying drinks at dinner. And I was still somber trying to figure out, you know, how am I ever going to get out of this? Because I was really angry. I was really think? angry at, that, at, at, at the terrorists. But I wonder if that's why it was, it was like that in Manhattan, of all places, is because it hit, it hit home for people who were in Manhattan more than maybe someone betrayed. who was removed. I felt betrayed the by, the, by, the, by the fellow there. Manhattanites who, mm. who had the, I don't know, the, how, how could they be so cold to have witnessed some, one of the worst, probably the worst terror uh, event in the history of the planet, and then within a couple of weeks, and maybe it wasn't even a couple of weeks, that they could go and act like, um, mm-hmm. I just, what, what, can I, think- I get my wine? Uh, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was horrifying to me. Don't you think, though, that it's possible that because... Manhattan is, Manhattan saw, I mean, it's, it's the economy. It, it is the world economy. Saw that, oh, okay, well, we're past that. The world economy is, is still okay. Um, and then you have all of the intellectual elites from all of the universities there that are probably preaching pretty quickly that America is such a bad place and we got what we deserved um, that there's, there's, not, there's not a real, Manhattan is an amazing place because it's, it's not real life. It's not. It's, it's a totally unique space. There's no other place in America, perhaps the world, that is like Manhattan. It's this small little island. I, I, you know what, Glenn, for, for the better part of my life, 55 years or so, I would agree with you. And now I think in the last five or so years, whatever Manhattan was, the cultural, the financial, the um, importance, the news center of the, of the country, maybe the world, I think it switched to D.C. I think that whole oh, yeah. um, uh, yeah. you know, importance in everything that goes on that affects everyone, D.C. is now owning that space that Manhattan did for so yeah. many years. Does that frighten you? <sighs> uh, frighten me. It's not no, going to be our guy no, in I, office. I, I know it doesn't frighten me, though. It, it doesn't frighten me because I, because of what I experienced with Manhattan days after the World Trade Center. There, it's it's a cold, cold blooded, succeed at any cost, and that event happened. Let's move on. I think DC has a little bit more of a, of a, a longer term view for the country. You spent a lot of time in DC. I just talked to somebody the other day um, who is in DC and plays a big role in DC, and said to me. There's nobody in D.C., nobody in politics, either side, that actually believe in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. That, that's just a showpiece. That's nice. Yeah, it brings the kids in. They can see it. And we'll talk about it from time to time. But there is no one who is standing guard and saying, well, no, 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 no. Well, I, I, I'll push back on that. Maybe not the, the in, full in, entirety of the Constitution yeah. and the Bill of Rights. But I will tell you, First and Second Amendment are, are alive and kicking even in D.C., protecting them. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Stu, your top story. Let's talk about the Fourth Amendment, because uh, that's, uh, that's, that's an interesting one. That, I, you know, that one, I think you're right. I, don't, I wouldn't put that on the list of, of, of things that we're protecting that well. In fact, one of the things when, when 9-11 happened that there was a big debate about was, understandably, we need more security. We need to figure out what's going on. We need to know, you know who is doing what. And that was an understandable reaction, I think, at the time. And one of the big debates we were having back in, in the radio days, and I'm sure you, know, you guys were all talking about it as well, is this increased uh, idea of more and more cameras, more and more, you know, uh, more and more ways for the government to, to, to monitor what you're doing. And, and it struck me the other day as we were talking about this attack in uh, England where they had uh, this chemical attack that they found out it was two Russian GRU members. How did they find that out? 
There's a fascinating article in the New York Times, if I may uh, consult my notes uh, here. Uh, I think you've got that, notes. Uh, I've got notes today. <laughs> um, uh, that, that outlined how they did this. And, and the, this debate, it struck me as this debate is basically over. We've, we've given into this, and there's going to be cameras everywhere for the rest of our lives, and this yeah. debate is completely over. Is. Now, this is, uh, you know, this is Britain, so it's a little bit different, but then they've gone further than us. <laughs> but there's now one surveillance camera per 11 citizens. It has cutting-edge technology for visually identifying criminals and software so sensitive it can scan an airport for a tattoo or a pinky ring. Um, it has, uh, let me give you a couple more things here. Um, it has something called the Super Recognizer Unit. Um, office. Seems, it sounds it like a really seems like something that was like on Get Smart. Yeah, well, let's get the super recognizing unit on it. Officers selected for their superior ability to remember faces. It's the off- opposite of face blindness. They don't concentrate on the obvious, the graying hair, the mustache, the glasses. They look at eyes, mouth, ears, things that don't change. They can recognize a face from the fi- uh, tiniest glimpse of it. Now you and, know also that the, the heat mapping. Do they are they using yeah, heat mapping? Heat mapping. Too? It's all yeah. There's I mean so so many things. Wow. And listen to this. It's almost impossible in this country to hide. Almost impossible. And with in this new, country? Or no, this is talking about uh, England. And with the new software, they can tell the per- person by the way they walk, the, way they walk uh, the ring they wear or the watch we, uh, we wear, they, they wear. This, this, to me, struck me as a quote that would come from some libertarian activist, right? It's almost impossible to hide. No, it comes from the government communications headquarters of the Electronic Intelligence Agency in Britain. They're bragging wow. about that world. So, and that is just, like, that's terrifying. I mean, you know, one of the things, at least here, that we're supposed to be able to cherish is our own privacy. It's in the Constitution. We're supposed to be able to do these things. And we've really, we've lost that fight without even fighting the battle. We, we, China is way ahead in, I think it's Beijing, one of the major cities in China, they have completed their, you know, their 2020 surveillance, and the city is made up in three rings. So there's the outer ring, then a center, and then the main city here. Okay? These, Represented these, by the cauliflower. Yes, this is the kind of, this is, you know, this is where it starts to really go into, you know, rice land or whatever. Um, if you're in that first ring on the outer ring, there's a pretty good chance. It's like uh, probably, you know, any American city, okay? not New York. The second ring is Manhattan, Washington, D.C., London. It's, you're not going really anywhere. Good chance of finding you. Absolutely everything in the center ring is monitored at all times. There is, mm-hmm. they, they had a guy um, come into the city. They had a picture of him. Uh, and they, uh, they knew, I can't remember, they knew like four things about him. They unleashed him in the inner city, okay? 11 minutes mm. it took to find him. 11. There are millions of people. 11. Yeah. Incredible. That's All incredible. Right. Back in a minute. I, I guess, oh. <laughs> 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 no, I was just thinking. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Got a lot more to get into, but before we get into all of that, I want to thank our TV and podcast sponsor, Brickhouse. Uh, Pat is a big fan of Field of Greens. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And Pat hates vegetables. 
I can't, I can't eat them, and so I don't. And uh, <laughs> I'm an, Which your wife does I'm an not adult love. now, and I can decide that. Yes. And but I was kind of concerned, you know, that I'm going to get scurvy or something. Because <laughs> I don't. I, I, don't. I get, get no scurvy? fruits and yeah, vegetables no, his, in my diet. Yeah, his wife, she, she wears an eye patch. <laughs> hey, scurvy, I'll run you up the mizzen mast for your scurvy lot. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, now I know I'm getting. You know, superfoods in my diet. Yeah. I'm getting uh, full servings of organic fruits and vegetables every day, which is something I never got before. So I, yeah, I love it. I gotta try this because I, I just feel better like as much as he does. We're yeah. gonna, yeah, we're we're gonna make it make a smoothie. Anything or something it would make for my wife shut there. up over. You gotta have it. You're not gonna get it. This is it. This is it. It's got nothing but good stuff, plus a full serving of fruits and vegetables. So yeah, good. this is gonna be your go-to. So go to brickhouseblaze.com and use promo code Greens for 15% off your first order, or you can. Text greens because they're super high tech here at Brick House. You can text <laughs> the word greens to four one four one one. Super high tech. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you don't you don't call. You notice yeah. there was no phone number, right? I got it. I got it. All right. So the New York Times op-ed. Mm. Do you know who wrote it? I do. Oh. I do. Uh, Donald Trump wrote it. <laughs> just kidding. But wouldn't it be cool if he did? It would be a great movie. But great let's talk about us. what this is. New York Times runs an anonymous op-ed, maybe one of the first ever, if not. It's very, very rare for them to do that. An it's not, page. It's, in the last three years, they've run, I think, two. It's two. not. It is rare, rare, but it's not completely. But then they, they, they couch it in a senior-level advisor to the president is very concerned about the, the future of the republic. So this person, he or she, is coming forward to tell us that don't worry, they're working from the inside to make sure that Donald Trump, president, our president, duly elected president, isn't going to take over and do something that they, they're not happy with. So my question is, A, who is it? Because I think this person is a coward for doing oh, yeah. it as, as, oh, yeah. as, as anonymously. And I don't believe, I don't believe that it is, it, to me, it has to be cabinet level or above. It has to be has someone to be. at his side if it it's not on the cabinet. Be. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Yeah. It doesn't matter what this person right. said. Right. It's just someone with an axe to right. grind. More importantly, if you're so concerned about the republic, why are you anonymous? Are you worried about your job? Mm-hmm. Because the minute you do something like this and you're a senior level executive, you'll be on MSNBC, you'll be on CNN, you'll have four book deals. You'll be much better off by coming out. At least we would know this person is qualified to have these opinions about but the president. That's the thing. The, 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 I can't, and maybe you can make sense of this. I cannot make sense of... If you want, if you're setting up, let's say a, a run, a, okay? a run or a coup, a run or a coup, okay? No, not a coup, a run. Okay. If you're setting up a run and you know you're going to leave, you want to be able to come out the other end and going, I was the guy who did this. No doubt. Okay. There, there. I get that. I think it's slimy. I think it's wrong. I think it's unconstitutional, personally, but I get it. If you actually care about your job or you actually care about the country and you want to make sure because you think he's so dangerous, the last thing you do mm-hmm. is announce it. Right. Anonymous or not. You don't do it because now you've lost the ability. He, he talked about Russia. Well, now got, you've warned him right. that somebody right. is against him. Right. With someone and, who's already paranoid. Right. I mean, how much right. more paranoid and is somebody, that going to and, and they say, and we got him to do this on Russia. Well, next time you go into his office, say, Mr. President, what do you think about this with Russia? I don't care if that's the person or not. He's immediately going, I don't know. What do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. 
your advice on Russia, no matter who it is, is no longer, it's, it's now well, second-guessed. It's, it's undermining not only the president, Bad. but all the senior advisors yes. to the president. Right. You've taken the legs out of anything they may advise him on. Because he'll question need everybody. I would. Of course he will. Well, and they've already said today that now he trusts only a very small group of people. I mean, I'm sure he trusted him. Right. Yeah, and exactly. I don't blame him. Um, of but course he's going like- to trust Don Jr., He's going to trust uh, Ivanka, and he's going to trust Jared, right? And I wouldn't trust anybody else if I were him. He and probably I, doesn't. And I have to tell you, we didn't like this for another reason under Obama. Obama just thought he hung the moon in the stars and thought nobody is so smart as I am, right. so I don't need to talk to my cabinet. Yeah. This world needs a president to be surrounded by the best minds that he trusts. Mm-hmm. This is this is awful what this person has done. Well, especially a president with so little political experience. I mean, he has no political experience. Right. So Thank you know. God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, real, thank but God. I mean, when I it... think that's why he's been so successful, because yes. he's broken all the po- political norms. He's Too not much, the uh, po- but I think politician you meant chief. Administrative, governmental you need administrative. people around you who at right. least have not experience political. and know. Yeah, exactly. Why? Not po- no, why do you need that? I mean, why if you're not dealing with, whole, you know, you're why, dealing why with why Russia. Break, why, why break the handlebars? Why not crush the bike and, and, and rebuild it from ground up? Well, I think that's what he's doing. I think there are I certain think, procedures you need to understand. Yeah, like there's a lot of constitutional. There's, yeah, there's a lot of good. I mean, there's he's done a lot of good going down that road, right? He's done a lot of good questioning those norms, and I think he's he's smashed a lot of them in a good way. There's an example in the Woodward book uh, that has about this whole situation with the um, with Cone taking. The documents papers away from desk, right? so inside. Really, really, really bad. But, but, but those are on the record comments from Gary Cohn. Uh, yeah. Are they on the record? I think he I admitted to this. Uh, did he admit to I it? I mean, he that. clearly is a source of the book, one of the sources, it seems like, at least. I mean, I haven't read the whole thing yet. But uh, the, Woodward would not have named Gary Cohn in the book if he wasn't the source. I mean, he just wouldn't Unless do that. Someone, was saying, there's someone else in the room is saying that he said that. I don't know. I'll have to go back and check it. You might be right on that. Um, but uh, my issue wasn't as much as that because I think that's overtly bad, right? Like you can't – if the president wants to do something, whether it's right or not, if you have the conversation with him and he wants to do it, you have to do it. And but, you, if you don't and you think it's a danger, you walk out. You walk you out. quit and say, here's why yeah, I quit. You can't take paper, papers off the guy's desk. No. But what the – what the situation was is that he wanted to get it pulled out of a South Korean trade agreement. Um, and, you know, look, he's obviously, uh, you know, pretty protectionist when it comes to trade. That's kind of the way he's been for, for a while, and it's his prerogative. The issue, though, that they couldn't seem to get him on the right side of, in their opinion, um, was that there is a missile detection system that we have mm-hmm. in South Korea. And the difference between if we have that in South Korea or we have it in Alaska, which is our other option, is the difference between detecting the missile in seven seconds or 15 minutes. Now, this is not something, this is so huge, massive difference, right? And, and, and Mattis, you know, made that case to him eventually, which I think got him on the right side of that. I believe the right side. But, you know, he at that point hadn't gone to that level of, are, are, of are due diligence. Are we supposed to believe that, that mm-hmm. if he broke the South Korea trade agreement, that they would make us remove the missiles? Look, again, it's a threat, I mean, because, right? Like, right. We got 30,000 yeah. troops Here's, on that border protecting South Korea. Right. I just that, saw That was their threat, though, at the time. I just saw Bob Woodward say, um, I don't think people are taking this seriously enough. I mean, he wanted to break the trade agreement with South Korea. And I thought to myself, well, Bob, there's about half of the country yeah, right. that... Doesn't care. That look at these trade agreements and say they're garbage. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. one of the reasons he was elected. You could agree or disagree, but elections have consequences. That's not the same as he wanted to go over 
and uh, appear with Kim Jong-un in his underpants. That's crazy. Him saying, I don't want to do this trade agreement, that's his prerogative as president. Totally. And you, it, whether you think the, it's the worst thing in the world or the best thing in the world, if he decides it and it's under his control, he gets to do it. And it just doesn't mis- matter what, what, what anyone else thinks. You can give your opinion to him, but stealing things off his desk to prevent it is not the right And way if to I'm do not it. mistaken, the Constitution um, uh, 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 has made a, uh, made a stopgap here. Isn't isn't the Senate supposed to yes. vote on the trade agreement? Well, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. It's so supposed to be under congressional So if he anyway, wants to yeah. do something crazy, the Senate can stand up and go, that's nuts. We're not right. doing that. Yeah. That's right. the gap. Yeah, right. and that's, the, that's Congress's fault. All right, got to take a break. Back in a minute. And the Constitution gives control to, to Congress. Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall. We were discussing the uh, the pictures of all of the victims from 9-11, and Eric, you had an interesting... Yeah, we, I'm just looking at that monitor. I have 16 very close friends I used to work with who are pictured there because they lost their lives on 9-11. They, have wow. a, they had a monthly meeting at the top of the World Trade Center by the 115th floor or so, and that day when, when the plane hit, they were in a conference room and had metal doors. They didn't die from, from the initial impact, but they couldn't get out of the conference room, and there are so oh many God. stories of... My friends calling their wives at home saying, honey, I'm not coming home. We're going down. It's just heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. First wow. tower that went down or the second? Second tower. Oh, Oof. so they knew. Oh, they my gosh. They knew what was happening. Well, um, as we head into overtime, we want to take a minute to uh, remember all of the victims. We'll see you in overtime. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze Premium subscribers. Become a premium subscriber at theblaze.com slash subscribe. I have a question on 9-11. I was thinking about it today. We all look, if you were there or you were, you know, you were aware of, of what was happening at the time, the biggest concern on that day as those towers went down, was what? Do you remember? Uh, if there were going to be more? We thought there were at least 30,000, maybe as many as 20,000 per tower. How come there weren't? What happened? I, d- I don't remember. Do you remember? How come there were only 3,000? Well, I mean, I mean that's still... 8.47 in the morning, for one. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. Yeah, a lot of people didn't show up. Yeah. And, and people got out. And yeah. Don't forget, the first yeah. tower was hit, and there was time before anyone realized what was going on, but they were definitely evacuating at the time. Tons of people evacuated. I mean, it, but I remember that. It seemed like it could have been 30, 40,000. Yeah, 000. we, we I thought. Mean, I remember when it happened, case. we thought, there's going to be 30,000 people dead. Well, because you look at the size mm. of those buildings. Right. You know, and all of it just coming down. You remember the, the guy, um, I can't remember his name. He ran Windows on the World. Mm. And um, he was up. They had a special meet. Uh, they had a special breakfast for mm. actuaries of all people, uh, insurance actuaries, and they were all up. Windows in the world. He had opened it up, called his whole staff in. Um, they were just finishing, and he said, "I have to go downstairs uh, for something. I think he had to get a haircut, and it was in the basement of the building." And um, when he was getting a haircut, all of a sudden the lights went out, 
the emergency lighting went on and they said, evacuate the building. And he's like, what's going on? He went across the street because he saw what had happened. All of his staff was, mm. was trapped in the building. He tried to call. He actually tried to get back into the building. Uh, and what does the guy do? He lost every single person, everybody mm. on his staff. Wow. He opened up a new restaurant in the Time Warner Center, which, which they stopped building for a while because everybody said, I don't want to have my place in there. It's going to be a target. It's another Twin Towers in, in New York. And Rudy Giuliani had to strong arm everybody, uh, and they had to make all kinds of promises to be able to get that, that thing open. He put his restaurant back in there as a sign of defiance. So very quickly, uh, literally this was happened on a Tuesday. On the following Monday, Lower Manhattan was shut down. You couldn't get to Lower Manhattan below Canal Street. But we, I was trading oil. I was an energy trader. And they were concerned about the price of oil spiking globally. So they brought us in. The military brought us into our building at, at the World Financial Center, which is 200 yards from the World Trade Center rubble. And they put us in the building and they locked the doors because everyone was afraid of terrorism and whatnot. And we traded to make sure oil prices had some sort of stability. Um, but I'll never forget how many times we were evacuated from that building. There was an anthrax scare. There was a, a fear of, of all the buildings in the area coming down because we were. The World Trade Center was built, was built on landfill. So everyone's worried about. But every day for the next month or so, I would come in. They'd lock us in. Um, and you could see the, the smoke. It would continue to burn. That fire burned for months Have afterwards. Have you ever walked by mm. the Brooks Brothers there mm-hmm. with the same feeling that you did before September 11th? No, never. Brooks Brothers was yeah. uh, was the morgue. Can I give you one more thing that Brooks mm. Brothers was? In the, in the garage of the Brooks Brothers, you, the lower garage, there were um, Chase Manhattan Bank had a, 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 a branch in, underneath the World Trade Center. Everything came down, but they, they saved some of the um, safety deposit boxes. I had a safety deposit box in that, in that bank. They called me in about a year later and said, we've recovered your box. So I go in there and I go to that garage in, in the Brooks Brothers building, and it was horrendous because they were bringing families in who oh lost people. And I'm... And I'm yeah. um, identifying a box, which I donated to the 9-11 Museum. Wow. They have my safety deposit box with my, the baby spoon for my mom. But to see these families come in and they're, they're, they're um, claiming um, artifacts or things that they had in those boxes, and they lost loved ones, and they're just mm-hmm. in tears. It was horrendous. Uh, we talked earlier in the show about, you know, it was 17 years ago, those who grew up not knowing 9-11 and how they can have a disconnect with that. Yet, I don't know, Eric, did you see Joe Scarborough's tweet today about his new column? I've um, heard about it. I haven't seen okay. it, but I've heard so about it. So he does not have that excuse because he is much older than a 17-year-old. Oh yet my. he used today uh, to promote his new column with the tweet, My latest, Trump is damaging the dream of America more than any terrorist attack ever could. I wanted can to you, get your thoughts on that. Can you imagine, Eric, because you were there on the front lines with us, if I would have said anything like that, about Barack Obama. Back. Anything like that. It, 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 we're in a new world, Glenn. We're in a new world. That's for sure. Some of the things that, that people are saying right now would have, would have been uh, you know, taboo, voodoo, and, and uh, fireable offenses. You know that, you know, we talked about the, what's the gun kid, the stupid hog? David Hogg. David Hogg was up in Canada <laughs> over the weekend. Okay, said so the stupidest thing. Do you know what else was said on the stage? Mm. This didn't get any play. What? 
Where's John Wilkes Booth when we need him? Oh, jeez. He said that? No, somebody else, else on the no, stage. No, that wasn't in the same stage. The, oh, I thought it was. That was a Broadway actress. Um, oh, I thought, but I thought it happened there. Where did know, she say that? Um, it looked like she was just coming out of a Broadway play or something. It, she, she was. Well, they were at Toronto I, Film Festival. The I'm woman sure was. So maybe you know, it happened at the I, same. I don't know. It, it, I don't but know. It was but said. She, yeah, it was she was said by somebody talking in public. to TMZ, and they asked her about uh, a, a Trump banner that was brought into Frozen. And the frozen people told them to put it away because oh, right. this is Broadway, that. right? They pulled, they pulled the, the banner, yeah. So her comment on that was, where's John Wilkes Booth when you need him? Mm. Right? And then she's looking around for some support on that. And How somebody kind of gasped about it and, and said, uh, so you're saying you should, somebody should kill Trump? And her response to that was, why not? Am I going to get in trouble for that? No, honey, because you're a leftist uh, Broadway actress, and so that. If you had said that about Obama, you're, oh, you're in, in deep trouble. The Secret yeah. Service would have visited. How many times? They wouldn't were care how old you are. Uh, a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Over and it's, over. They're and just over. they're crazy. Uh, Stu, Serena Williams. There is a new photo of her uh, caricature not, yes, drawing. I would not call this a photo. Um, <laughs> that's not a photo. No, it's that's not what she actually looks like. Uh, no. Wow. Car- caricature drawing. Yes. <laughs> it's a little. Graphic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But is it, is it accurate? Or accurate uh, I would say it is not. Huh. Um, although are caricatures you? mostly are not, right? No. Uh, Correct. Uh, so this is uh, being. Uh, <laughs> There's a little criticism on this one, mm-hmm. uh, as you might imagine. Uh, the uh, criticism is that it is racist because they're drawing her with, you know, big lips and uh, other stereotypical uh, racist. You want to see how imagery. people have drawn me in political oh, cartoons? Very badly. Um, they also the other part of the criticism is she was playing a uh, Japanese woman and, and she's blonde. She's blonde, and busty. I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on. <laughs> um, what I thought was particularly interesting yeah. is is what happened afterwards because you know they were accused of racism and you know the author says well you know no I, I that's how I draw, I draw caricatures I draw them all crazy like that. And his newspaper actually stood by him and wow. put on the front cover, wow. Welcome to PC World. Uh, we are in a satire-free zone, apparently. And, and they showed a bunch of his other drawings, which, wow. as you see, you know, they're all sort of caricatures. There's big lips on pretty much everybody. They're all really looking angry. Um, and they actually stood by him um, and made fun of the fact that people wanted to ban wow. this one particular drawing. Now, this is Australia. It's a different world, I guess. That's not um, a picture of Donald Trump or no. <laughs> No, Um, you know, their point is, look, this is how we draw all these things. It's amazing to see, you know, that that in this day, like there's actually somebody who's standing up for that. And if you have an, you know, you have an artist who's been on your staff. This guy's been on staff for you know decades. He's like, you know, one of the famous, most famous cartoonists in Australia, apparently. And like have cartoonists in Australia. And they have famous never been. But the idea being that, like, you know, they've known this person. They've known what he stands for. They've known him for a long time. And, you know, I feel like if anything like that happened in America, the first, the media company would be immediately yeah, jump off the bandwagon. No matter how long they've known him, no matter what their relationship is, they'd find a way to throw him under the bus. And, you know, here, without this, this paper at least is an interesting example of them just standing up and saying, no, I don't care. He's, he's fine. This is where, and I've been waiting for progressives to overplay their hand, and it's not going to be the progressives. It's going to be the actual Marxist, uh, communist, uh, Antifa and uh, postmodernists that will overplay their hand. 
This is eventually going to keep creeping in, creeping in, creeping in, and it's going to hit so many people. There are going to be the people in the center of the country who are Democrats who say, okay, I, I want free health care, but I don't want that. Yeah. That's coming. It's coming. On, the, so. on the subject so. of Serena, today's The Blaze Why comment comes from Tammy. Uh, she thinks that the table missed the point on the Serena Williams story yesterday that um, you guys kept saying it was sexist because they were both women, but that wasn't the sexist part. The sexist part was that if a male player would yell at a ref, uh, they don't get penalized for but yelling back and forth I, I, like that. I they don't get penalized as often or generally I mean, speaking, I don't but think the woman does it. that's necessarily true, but still beyond that. All good. Yeah, back all the time. Yeah. Guys so I know somebody, do them all the time. I know somebody who was there. And they said, if you were there, it played differently because he was sitting in, I guess, a box close enough to see all of the coaches for the day. They all, they and all he do. said all of them were doing it. And he said, it, it, yes, it is a rule, but it was the only time that right. day. But we all speed, and sometimes we get yeah. caught. And when we get caught, we have to say, crap, we got caught speeding. I it's agree. our fault, not the cop's and, fault. And, I'm sorry, Pat. And I'm <laughs> guessing, I'm not, I have no opinion on this whatsoever, but I'm guessing the racket got broken because she had already lost the first set. <laughs> yeah. She was on the verge of losing right. the match. Yes. Yes. And that's right. not the first time she's had some kind of outburst when yeah. she's angry that she's losing. So. And, I mean, and that really wasn't a photo of her. No, <laughs> no it wasn't. Wow, well, that's shocking. Here, shocking shocking one. Cartoons, yeah. right? Today, today's huh. poll, uh, do you think the cartoon cartoon of Serena Williams was racist? If Let this isn't Twitter. 100%, I quit. <laughs> do, I don't really I mean, want I that. Can I mean, you for not? The day, for the show. Oh. This will be the last show of the day? Of the, well, no. Well, this will okay. be this last show of this show. Oh. Then I'm going to do this show. Okay. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. 100%. That's <laughs> powerful, Glenn. All right. See you guys tomorrow. Powerful. I mean, who's going to vote against it? Who's going to say yes and mean it? I think there might be a high. Oh, I, 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 I think it's so much. It does look on the certain Like what you're hearing? Become a Blaze Premium subscriber and watch the show anytime, anywhere, live or on demand. Go to theblaze.com slash subscribe and start watching today.